Thank you for listening to the Following Thumbs podcast. Today, my guest is Jason Tobias. He's an actor who's best known for his work in Better Things, Franklin and Bash, and the film Downrange. I had him on to talk about his latest film, Fear, which he happens to star in, he co-directed, and wrote. So this is definitely a passion project for him. It's the story of a family dealing with uh, the zombie apocalypse, essentially. But unlike a lot of the genre stuff that you normally typically see, this is a story that's absolutely rooted in humanity. This is really a story about how tragedy, grief, and fear, fear, obviously, uh, can impact a family and what they become in the process of protecting their family. It's a really interesting, thoughtful movie. I really enjoyed it, and it'll be available on VOD on June 15th. Hope you enjoy the show. This is a, definitely a passion project for you uh, because the the writing, directing, acting, it's just uh, producing everything. Your name is all over this thing. What was it about this particular story that made you want to dedicate so much of yourself to it? Uh, you know, being in Los Angeles, as long as I had been, um, you're always looking for opportunity. You're, you're just always looking for the next gig. You're always looking for a shot. You're always looking for something. And, you know, as an actor, you're always looking to fit kind of a mold, somebody else's mold. And I wasn't playing a character like this. I wasn't playing a character that was strong yet vulnerable. You know, I, I was never, never getting called in for these roles. So I just wanted to create something that can not only highlight this. Um, I wanted to be able to highlight the way that actors kind of get pigeonholed into a type. And I wanted to kind of just rebel against that. You know, I mean, I wanted to be able to show uh, Marcy's character, Joe, and just this kind of like this vulnerable state of being able to kind of go with this ebb and flow of like, worrying about the survival of her family but at the same time you know the decaying relationship with between her and her husband and like the stakes and what she was dealing with so it was really just about trying to find something that worked and really just meshed on a on a level of could it be could it be pulled off and be believable well i think it could because the it's been done before in a very specific way that i'm not sure a lot of people would draw the parallel between but to me, this movie, both times sitting through it, it felt very reminiscent of something, especially that last moment when I, I've had this feeling before. And it was when I saw Unbreakable for the first time. And it had a very similar feel to me where it is about that idea of um, figuring out your place in the world and understanding kind of the reality of your situation, carrying on with grief and loss and what how that impacts you and what you do with that on those those days forward. And it just had... This, despite all, it's a fairly heavy film in that it, what it's dealing with, this end of the world, essentially, it has a really, this almost uplifting feeling at the end. There's hope at the end of this film. Yeah, yeah. When Jeff and I sat down and really started to kind of break the script down and look at it from, um, from like the presentation value of making it into a feature that was going to be consumable for an audience, because there was a completely different ending for this movie. What you saw in that film is completely different from what I had on the page. You know, there was a very, very different ending. So that, that ending was definitely kind of leading us into a metamorphosis of what Joe becomes mm. and also her next step with what happens with the wall, the containment area, uh, the Halifax Corporation that is 
pretty much just kind of like this 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 evil corporation that's gone in and completely torn up this 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 town and this community. Very different, needless to say. But um, the ending that we enjoyed was something that was more uplifting and hopeful, showing that you know there is there is light at the end of the tunnel, and that you know even though she went through some tumultuous times, and obviously you know we learned that they were keeping their daughter alive, they were looking for a cure, they were looking for something. Uh, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> you know, that is, you know, that, that that's accomplished. That task is accomplished. We have that final shot showing Mia there. Her eyes are no longer, you know, torn up or her skin is no longer looking like, you know, the, the infection of the zombie that she was. So now we have this, this new chapter that's beginning. So hopefully with the swell that Alex Kovacs, our composer put together, did an amazing job with music. We love that final beat when you're just kind of rising up on that crane shot and you're starting to see them, you know, look at the wall and there's this blown hole in it. Like, you know, well now all bets are off. Now they, now they can leave this, this type of uh, caged hell that they've been stuck in. Well, and the, um, the emotional side for me happens. It's the, uh, what we anticipate just by the title of the film is going to be the ending of it. Um, when you see the lighter, that all changes that you your perception of it, that, this is not going to be that sort of advice of the film. This is not going to be something that when we, we acknowledge loss, we have to carry it with us and make it a part of us and move on as opposed to denying it and ignoring mm -hmm. that. And that in that is where our strength comes from is kind of the feeling that I had at the end of this. And I think it's really important. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that, no, I'm glad, glad that resonated with you because yeah, I mean, we, we have a tendency to carry trauma and baggage with us so heavily throughout our lives, depending on the situations that we've been through, what we've been experienced to, what has either happened to us or what we've been a part of. And, you know, those choices that we make are constantly just reflecting back on us of, you know, what is going to be your next step? You know, how are you going to either transcend, learn, uh, pass along, you know, how, how will you deal with the hand that's been dealt to you? And uh, to kind of build off of that, the hand that you dealt yourself in this with um, acting and directing have, was having a partner in directing something that made that necessary as far as being behind both sides of the lens. Absolutely. Jeff Reisner is an amazing uh, cinematographer, director, editor. He's a fantastic graphics artist as well. And he and I have been working together for about 10 years. So he was actually one of the first directors and cinematographers that gave me a shot, you know, when I got to LA. So we've come up together, you know, enjoying similar kinds of films. We're big sci-fi action adventure guys. You know, we love everything from Star Wars, Matrix, Elysium, you know, Neil Blomkopf, nice. Dennis Greenaway. I mean, if, it, if it's sci-fi stuff, we love it, you know. So um, when I approached him with the script and we started talking about how to, how to basically accomplish what we were going for, he was in Chicago at the time I was in Southern California and um, you know, with, with what I was carrying as far as the load being um, trying to do a lot of the pre-production with getting casting up and running and looking at locations and trying to get everything lined up for crew and whatnot. It really helped that Jeff didn't have to get bogged down with that, that I could kind of set the table for him. And then at the time of when we got ready for camera and production and going right to actually shooting, I could take maybe a step to the side. He could pick up some of the, you know, do some of the heavy lifting at that point. We could kind of delegate and switch off on what we wanted to focus on, whether it was framing or whether it was pr uh, production design or wardrobe or even just working on performance. It really, really helped. You know, I was very fortunate to, uh, to work with not only just a talented director, but just working with a great friend too. 
Of course, there's a shorthand there um, when you know somebody for that long. You don't have to get to know each other. That makes that so much simpler, I would assume. And and especially when you're dealing with um, a smaller film like this, a smaller budget, which I'm assuming it was a smaller budget film, but it has scope to it. It feels it has scale. It feels probably like it's punching above its weight class um, because it does feel like there's a lot more here. Appreciate that. (laughs) Appreciate that. Yeah, I mean. You're in the, you're trying to make every dollar stretch. You really, really are. And you know, it's um, I don't know if you're a filmmaker yourself. Uh, failed, but yes, uh, I, no, I, I, no, I, I I don't think anybody is a failed filmmaker. I think uh, my hat is always off to anybody. I, I'm I, always. I you haven't seen my movies, so I would argue with that. <laughs> I've not there, seen it, there, there's a reason you, I don't do it. But you made you made a film. You, yes. you made a film and hats off to you, man. Anybody who gets something done, it is so difficult to make a film. It's, it's challenging. And yeah, it's not, it's not neurosurgery. You're not, you're not doing brain surgery, but you know, it's just a very challenging thing. So hats off to you for getting it done. Kudos. Um, and yeah, you're just trying to make the most of what you've got. And of course, in your mind, you know, it's like the old adage of there's the three movies, the one you write, the one you shoot and the one you edit. And you know, sometimes when you kind of look at it at the end of the day, you're like, oh, well, I, I guess that's what it is. You know? <laughs> and, you know, you, you just got to roll with it. Yeah, yeah that's what it is. Um, but no, yeah, you you hit it right on the head. I mean, we when we were putting everything together, um, we had fantastic people just on the camera side of things. From our G&E team to our makeup, wardrobe, everybody just really stepped it up. And when you see other people kind of lifting, you know, it's like rising tides, it raises all ships. Everybody wants to bring their A game. So um, I think that's just a great compliment. You know, we all appreciate whenever it's it comes in that, hey, you know, surprise, you got this done at this this level or it turned out this way because you know how quickly it can kind of go off the rails. You know? Oh, 100%. There's actually, there's more things that can go off the rails that'll, it's a miracle that any movie is watchable with the number of things that can go yeah. wrong with the production of any film at all. So that you, there's that part of yeah. me that's pulling for every, the fact that anything is even halfway coherent, I'm always impressed by, but then when people nail it, it's like that there's, there's something special there. And I, and I feel oh, like, yeah. This, yeah, I mean, here, here's a, you just, sorry, I just want to throw no, this please. in there just for, for this film alone, um, the snow was a big catalyst for just the environment and what mm-hmm. what this story kind of live in. I mean, we'd seen a lot of stories, whether it be, you know, Romero's uh, Night of the Living Dead, Zack Snyder's reboot, um, you know, uh, The Walking Dead, Fear the Walking Dead. A lot of this stuff takes place in like remote areas, but it's typically in like, you know, these dilapidated cities or towns where, sorry, unless you've got couple bucks to play with it's really tough to kind of lock that location down not only from the scope of it but also the production design to really make it look and sell like what it is so adding the element the element in the atmosphere of snow and cold and bleakness like that just kind of adds another layer to the stakes and the challenges that these people are facing so we're still in southern california i mean that where we shot that is 60 miles outside of la and it looks like it could be oh wow yeah, yeah, it's a, it's in a place called Fraser Park, and it's only sixty miles north of Los Angeles. And fortunate for us, it does get snow, but because it's in Southern California, you also have some pretty heavy shifts in temperature. Yeah. So we, that one scene where I'm dragging the body by Marcy, I mean, mm-hmm. we got bumped on, and it looks fantastic. It's cinematic. It's beautiful. I love that shot. But that snow was starting to melt within two to three days. So okay. now you're t- you're 
you're running into continuity issues where you're like, okay, man, we just established that there's a ton of snow over here. We got no snow over here. What do we do? What do we do? So you're in this mad scramble to try to pick up pieces in different areas of like, okay, well, where in the script are we going to be seeing some of it again? Or where can we kind of cheat this and that? So again, you know, you're not bringing in a snow truck. You're not bringing in, you know, a ton of, no. you don't have the VFX budget to, to build the snow and post. So it's, yeah, it, it was, it was challenging. Well, there's that, that old Roger Corman thing where he says that he filmed the fall of the Roman Empire with four extras in a bush. So it's really, it's what the camera's <laughs> pointed at. <laughs> and you're, the, yeah. way that, the way that you're cutting, it's really what you, you can infer is what's so much more important there. And not to mention, um, your film is so much more focused on the humanity of it. This is a character piece much more than it is a horror piece. It's not, I mean, there's the gore's good. Gore's great. This and the the secret weapon I think you have with your the thrills element is your sound mix is wonderful in this film. I think it's really really strong. This is a film that um, turn it up loud if you can't turn it up loud. If you're like me, you have kids put on headphones and watch and watch the film because it's something that definitely will get under your skin if you get to listen to it at a loud level. But um, point thing, it's a human story, and so I think that. You can ignore so many other things if you're invested in the characters. You won't care about like it, the snow continuity as long as it's something that is not completely throwing you off. You'll if if they're paying attention to that, you might have bigger problems. Yeah, you hit it right on that. And just to kind of backtrack to the, the sound mix, uh, hats off to Matt Para, our sound supervisor. He's a pro. Um, we've worked with him for years. He does fantastic work. You know, and I think that's the first thing that a lot of people pick up on on any film or any project in general is if the sound is off you're immediately yep. pulled out. Your suspension of disbelief is immediately shot. You know, you're just going, oh, you, the, you know, the dialogue's not syncing up with their, with, with their mouths correctly, or, you know, yep. the, the Foley's kind of, oh, the sound design's, ah. If you have good sound, I think, once again, you start to have this rising tide. This is all ships thing of like, okay, well mm -hmm. now, when the composer hears sound mix, they're like, ooh, uh, this is really, this is great. I got to step my game up now, you know? And that's, what we just had, you know, with Matt bringing his talents to the table. He's a very, very talented, very, very talented sound mixer. Um, and yeah, it, you know, the fact that you're bringing up that it's a human story. I mean, once again, you don't have this piggy bank full of money to really kind of throw in <laughs> hundreds of thousands of uh, crazy World War Z type zombie, you know, moments and it's just not there. You know, unfortunately at this stage, we just didn't have access to those kinds of resources. So the focus was and even from the beginning to really kind of put the emphasis on the relationships of who these people are and also play on that line of, well, who's actually right here. I mean, Desiree is just coming in to do the same thing. Joe, you are literally, literally doing the exact same thing. That's the exact yeah, same. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I mean, are we retreading some ground that we've seen before? Sure. I mean, it's kind of like the old adage of like, you know, Shakespeare came up with the first five stories and everybody else has just kind of mended them ever since. But yeah. it was so interesting as the script was evolving to really see how people were responding and reading it and going, oh, man, you know, I mean, by, by the start of the third act and after they have their kind of exchange there when she chokes Avery out, I, I kind of see where she's coming from. You know, I kind of yeah. it makes sense, you know, and I'm like, dude, good, because Anytime you have conflict, even for your audience, but you can almost kind of agree with your antagonist, 
I think that creates good conversation afterward for, you know, the viewer to talk about. I think it also creates good tension for the audience to be like, oh man, who, well, who am I rooting for now? Like who, who do I think should be the quote unquote winner? So, yeah. It, it allows you to um, release your empathy for these characters and you care more about everyone. And so when these things happen, it has an element of tragedy to it, no matter who, is the victor. There's going to be somebody that you care for that's losing in that sense. And so there is something that it's a far more engaging film um, in that way. Like, you know, you're kind of talking about the Zack Snyder stuff um, and army of the dead. I watched that like two weeks ago. And I think of the two openings of your film and his film. And I really loved both of them. Um, One was super clever and fun and I had a great time watching it but I never connected with it. it does but I don't think it was meant to get me in an emotional way. It was essentially a blowjob joke turned into a zombie film. And so yeah. that that's fine. <laughs> that, that's that it, it, it nailed what it was trying to do. It absolutely nailed that landing. I, I have no problem with it, but yours, the moment, even though I kind of knew what was going to happen in that moment, in that opening with the knife, I could tell, I could feel this building towards it, but because of the father son or father daughter relationship there, I'm thinking of my sons and my kids and being in that moment. And I'm just totally locked into that. And it's just, yeah, I I can feel that, you know, it's that same thing you have when you're trying to teach your kid how to throw a baseball or something like that, but amplified to a post-apocalyptic world where there's actual stakes. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that was something that, you know, um, during, during the writing process, really just trying to find a nice arc for Josh, um, you know, he needed to he needed to be shown that this world is very harsh and and not only is he going to be met with extreme extreme magnified amounts of adversity but now it's not a matter of just failing it's a matter of life and death you know so yeah. when we finally get our hero moment for him in the end the hope is that you you, you kind of see him come full circle of you know he's he now understands what he needs to do he, he now understands how far he needs to go and you know it's kind of like what you were just talking about teaching your kid how to throw a baseball it's kind of like pushing your kid for the first time on a bike without the training wheels there you, you go see that's him better, post, yeah and you just you know and, and your heart swells and you're just like oh god they got it you know that good feeling of you, you've transferred this knowledge to them and now their confidence is swelling and you know that's that's kind of like when, when we had that shot, that single on, on Danny, Danny Ruiz is the actor, you know, we, we, that was an insane day, by the way. Uh, when we had that shot on him, there was a couple of takes where you, you know, we had one where he was a little bit more surprised that he pulled the shot off. Then we had one where he was just kind of like shocked that he pulled the shot off. And then the take that we ended up using in the film is the one where he's just almost kind of like he's breathing in his confidence now of almost yeah. like, you know, I did this. I got it done. I, I finally made this happen. So uh, hopefully that resonates with parents of like, you know, just that feeling. I know it's an extreme, but you know, their kids rising to, to the challenge. Well, yeah. And when you're, I mean, this is a family story. It's about these two families really. And it's when you have this small, it's about tribalism. It's about, it's about a pandemic. It's, I mean, when you were starting out to make this film, you couldn't have realized how, um, I don't know when you wrote this, when this was put together, but my God, did this, this movie sort of back its way into becoming relevant? Uh, Yeah. So I, like most writers, you have like a graveyard that you work from. Like you'll start projects, you'll stop them. You'll go here. You'll be like, Oh, I kind of liked what I did in this part, but I don't know. It's just not the right time for this story because either like certain things would inspire you and you move on. I had this story that I wanted to tell. And at the time it was only Joe 
Ethan, their daughter, in this like wanderer who comes to the house. That's it. It was just hmm. four people. That was the entire script. We never explored anything about their past. We never explored anything about their relationships. And it was just this kind of um, strange fun and games moment of when this wanderer comes in and they kind of open their home unbeknownst to them thinking they're doing something good. And he ends up torturing them through the process. That script just didn't have enough beats in it. It, it was, mm-hmm. it was interesting to write it, but it just didn't really explode off the page in ways that felt strong enough. Um, with this, and I worked through that in like parts of 2017, parts of 2018, and this all kind of started in 2015 when, you know, the kernel of this kind of idea came from, because I'm a big video game fan. I love playing Resident Evil when I was younger. Mm-hmm. I love yeah, playing so Last of Us. Yeah, so Left 4 Dead, all those, I mean, uh, limited supplies, you know, sure. the, the relationship between the people in your troop and like, who's a, who's a snake son of a bitch and who's the fucking good person that's going to give you their last, you know, cache of ammo. And so <laughs> I love these relationships play out um but as as things started to evolve in the script and it started to expand further that's when it started to become more about you know i had three themes that i went off of survival redemption and revenge you know survival is pretty much the theme for joe like that's what i built her story around mm-hmm. redemption is even dark really because you know a lot of that is partially in part because he keeps telling them don't worry it's going to be okay don't worry it's going to be fine and then the revenge angle that Desiree takes you know on her side of things so that's really when the story started to evolve more and that was probably in 2018 and so that just kind of gives you the timeline there where uh, that came from and then crazy enough we hit March of 2019 and uh, uh, yeah yeah it just or excuse me March of 2020 Um, yeah and we're where we were at when did you finish filming the we shot january of 2019 okay and okay yeah we shot we shot this movie including our pickup day 13 days dear god 13 <laughs> yeah 13 days we initially had uh 15 days scheduled to shoot it but we ran into some weather. Uh, we lost a day on weather. Uh, we lost other days due to just other issues. Oh my and God. And then CC, CC Kelly, who plays me in the film, she's actually from Georgia. She uh-huh. ended up having to go to Georgia and Danny, um, who plays Josh in the film, he ended up having to go back to school in San Diego. So when they left and we kind of put a rough cut together, we started to realize we needed to do one more pickup scene and so we shot another pickup scene in March of uh, 2019. But yeah, it all in 13 days. And how long did you spend editing the film, putting it together? Because I, I mean, this uh, is you're talking about this two weeks that's over, you know, two years ago now at this point. That uh, yeah, which is yeah. just uh, so we put a rough cut together in the summer of 2019. And one of our partners at Action Figure Entertainment, his name is Blair Pennington. He's also the executive producer along with Lucas Solomon he had a company in Colorado where he had access to a lot of employees that we could have our own kind of focus group with. So the first rough cut we put together, by the way, I will never ever put another rough cut together without temp music in it. I'm telling you right now, because there's nothing worse yep. than having people go, Oh man, it's just, it's really kind of like, you'll get the notes back. Cause we, we put, you know, we put these like questionnaires together and we're like, Hey, you know, where's it working? Where's it not working? It was a resounding, Oh, there's no music. There's no, yeah. Music is a character in and of itself, and it is so... 100% agreed, yes. Uh, it got to be there. So we're, we're going through a few levels of this focus grouping with the film in the summer of 2019, and we finally had, I would say, a fairly locked rough cut by September of 2019. 
So oh, wow. yeah, that's, that's where we were at with it. We cut a trailer, we brought it to can with us in May of 2019. That's where we started to shop it around. And uh, we, uh, Blair and I literally had a giant oversized iPad and we were walking the palais and just going up to people going, Hey, do you, do you want to watch our movie? <laughs> You know, I mean, and that, that's honestly, it might sound like, you know, you're selling soap or you're the Maytag man, but that was the only intro we had. And, and that's how we started to make connections and meet folks and get our sales agent and our distribution and all that. And now you're on the other side of it and you're what about seven days from release right now. This has to be a pretty great feeling to be right here. How, how, do, how are you feeling right now? Giving kind of giving it to the world at this point. You know, I guess every filmmaker has been living with their project for so long. You, <laughs> yeah. you, you just want to get you want to get it out there. You want people to enjoy it because, you know, I, I do honestly feel that once you once you release something, it's kind of it's yours, but it's kind of everybody's now. Everybody's going to mm-hmm. have an opinion. Everybody's going to think what they think of it. They're going to bring their own experiences to it. They're going to say, "Oh, there's there's not enough zombies," or "Oh, it's not scary enough," or "Oh my god, it was terrifying," and "Oh my god, the the relationships really hit me in the heart." you really are at the whim of art being so subjective, you know, and unless you're trying to make just, I don't know, popcorn creature feature flicks where you're just like, Hey, big gags, maybe a, maybe a, you know, a tit shot over here or something like that. Like, yeah, I mean, you're, you're just going after whatever you might call the low hanging fruit or you're trying to hit the sweet spots. Mm -hmm. Um, With this, we're hoping that people look at the relationships and the way that these people, you know, are in this extreme predicament, but they're also still humans that have, that have passed and, and, and are going through shit in the moment of. Um, but back to your question, it's surreal. I, I mean, we're, we're excited. Uh, you know, Lucas, Blair, myself, Jeff, everybody on board is just excited to have people watch it and check it out and hope they enjoy it and have a good time. And they walk away with something from it as well. Well, this is one of those rare films that I think you could actually satisfy the Fangoria crowd as well as people that don't normally watch horror films. You know, you could have people that walk into the room that normally don't watch that, that could get connected to the actual story here. Cause to me, my, and this is something I say all the time, but one of my, the way that I gauge any horror film um, is if I remove the horror from it, is it still an interesting film? Is, if the, is there mm-hmm. enough story without the horrific elements to make it work? No matter what it is, supernatural zombie, it doesn't matter what that thing is. And if it's not based in humanity, it's probably going to be empty calories. It's going to be cotton candy. There's not going to be a lot that stays with you. And this is one of those yeah. films that I think that if you do remove this element and you have this story about how far a family can push itself and still remain a family and what they'll do to protect themselves and who are they at the when they come to the other side of that, um, mm-hmm. that's an interesting film without the other side. So I think that this just adds to that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I mean... You know, you're always going to be battling a little bit uphill when you do hit certain subcultures of genres, like whether it is horror, thriller, survival, where, you know, people want to see more zombies. You know, people yeah. want to see more blood and gore. They want to see more violence or they want to see, not not violence for the gratuitous sake of it, but they just want to see more gunfights. You know, they want to see cool shit happening on screen. And I get it. You know, we've we've kind of um, built ourselves into this uh, this kind of like hyperspace information flying at us so quick with like TikTok videos being 15 seconds long. And if you don't grip me in the first three and a half to five, I'm bored and I'm swiping to the next video. So, you know, you're taking a chance when you have something that might have some heavy dramatic undertones where there is exposition involved and you're letting characters breathe and talk and evolve. And 
you know, that's, that, that's, the, that's a chance you take. The only counter I would say to that is the way I think that in some ways we have entertainment that's incredibly short. It's yes. It's that hyper just fleeting TikTok type stuff. But then you also have, you know, history podcasts that are four and a half hours long. They get millions of downloads. You have, you have series that are, I mean, Ken Burns is a household name in this country, right? Pretty much. So there's people that there's, there's definitely an appetite for more substantial work. And I think the more that the TikToks are, and those short, that short content is there that we're going to need, and there will be a desire. There's a hole for that in our lives and we need long form storytelling. Yeah. And you know, we hope, we hope that that's how people will receive the film in that, you know, we, we did get some early feedback from folks that said things along the lines of like, Hey, you know, this, this area here could be sped up by doing this or that. Well, look guys, I mean, we're we're not going back into reshooting that. You know, I had a full like four, four to six month beard, super long. Marcy's now, you know, moving on to days of our lives. Cece's on another shoot. And I mean, it was just, okay, well, this is what we have to date. This is what we're going to say. Here it is. And I think you know this as well as a filmmaker. You can needle that thing to death and you'll never, you can literally be still editing it. We, we could still be editing yeah. the film and just go, oh, well, we could probably trim here and tuck here and, you know, oh, well, we could possibly do this. I mean, you can, you almost have to give yourself a, a point where you just go, it, it's, it's, it's where it needs to be. It's, it's good it, enough. What it is. Yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah. if you're, you, you'll never be satisfied. If you don't see the warts in it, then you're probably not viewing it with a critical eye, and have you're too close to the material where you're not uh, get out of the editing editing room for a couple of weeks if you're not seeing the flaws because that means you you're just too attached to it. Um, yeah. And it, it's I, I personally think that those things that you see as deficits are oftentimes the things that people are attracted to the things that weren't perfect or the, the flaws or things that people gravitate towards that, you know, they can hang their hat on. You can tell that this wasn't exactly what it was, but it's something that's unto itself. It's something that's unique. It's something that's interesting. It's something that I can enjoy. And especially genre fans, my God, if there's not a more forgiving audience, it's genre fans then um, that will allow for things to be off as long as there's those things that they can enjoy that they can say, yeah, this is my thing because of this. This is why I love this. I mean, if you go on Twitter and look up Halloween three, the defenders of that film, you would think that it was the last temptation of Christ. So it's just, there, there are people that will, they, they did, they're just, they find their things. And I think that your film is one of those movies that for the people that are pushing against it, I think there's going to be people that push just as hard in the other direction, defending it. Hope so. Hope so. We hope people enjoy. We really, really do. They will. It's, it's a good film, man. Honestly, it's 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 a great film. I really enjoyed it. So, and I, um, you're going to be out next week on the fifteenth, I believe. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, June fifteenth. June fifteenth. How can people find the film? What's the best place to look for more information if this is something they're wanting to check out? You know, if um, New Era Entertainment is the distribution company that is pushing the film, it will be available day and date. So that means your local cable provider will probably have it as far as like films that are in theaters. And then they're also available on your cable provider or your streamer that you're currently with. Uh, It will be SVOD as well as VOD. And I do believe it's also getting a DVD release as well. So you got your your old school. You got your like physical (laughs) copy in hand that you can hold on to. 
a copy of Fear. Um, I, I believe it had a title change, though, for the UK, New Zealand, and Australia launch. They called it Forget Everything and Run. So they called it the entire first part of the acronym. They didn't flip it around and say, face everything and rise. But right. um, that's how you can film on June 15th. Outstanding. And is it, do you have a preferred title then at this point? Is there the one that you, that you're, do, do you have your Paul Thomas Anderson, Sydney hard eight thing? With it? <laughs> I should have the opening crawl, like literally burned in the screen. F E A R. No, because I think he did <laughs> because his previous film, they cut, they changed his title and he hated it so much. He literally shot boogie nights, like starting on the title. Then he cranes down. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I think F-E-A-R, just because I like simple one-word titles. I don't know what it is about them. They're kind of, I don't know. Some some people might think they're pretentious and, you know, you're like, oh, what is, you know, like M. Night Shyamalan is, is notorious for this. You know, a lot of his films are one-word titles. He's got a new one coming out called Old. And you mentioned Unbreakable, which I love, by the way. Um, but yeah, I think I, I like Fear, F-E-A-R. It's just, it's, and also it makes you ask the question, well, if it is an acronym, what does it stand for? Which a lot of right. people know that there are dual meanings to it. So I think I like the, the fear. Fantastic. So, so, well, and this is something that I, I definitely recommend people check out. And I'm glad that this is getting out there because this is, this is a good one, man. So I'm, I'm recommending this to people. Will you be directing and starring again? Are you going to do some the dual duty down the road, do you think? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We've got, we've got a couple other projects that we're looking at now that as the COVID mandates start to materialize a little bit more with restrictions being lifted, uh, it's a taxing part of the independent film. If you don't have the budget to cover that, yeah. um, uh, not to get too long winded on that, but independent film is tough enough as it is to simply find the resources and the funds to make something, let alone on top of that, you now have an additional cost just for the safety of the individuals that you're hiring and bringing on board. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a challenge, you know, when you're already trying to scrounge up the pennies just to, just to make something. So um, we're, we're seeing where things are at currently. We're looking to possibly move into something in the fall or winter of this year. But as a teaser of what this could be, uh, I wrote this script in shortly after I finished Fear. Um, it's a coming-of-age sci-fi story, and it is a combination of Alien Nation meets Stand By Me. Oh, my God. That's that's so, right in my wheelhouse. Yeah. Oh my God. So, Alienation is an underrated gem. That's such a great little movie. Dude, it's awesome. one that. Yeah. Wow. Okay. All right. I'm I'm on board yeah. for that. I think, oddly enough, that and I can't remember which I saw first. It was either that or Purple Rain was the first R-rated movie I saw in a theater. Or maybe it, shit, it may have been Stand by Me if that was first. I can't because I saw all three of those theatrically, and I, it's one of those was the first R-rated movie I saw. I can't remember though. So, yeah, I remember, didn't V come out around the same time as Alien Nation? Wasn't it kind of in that like two to three year window? The television was, show V? I think V came first, and that was the one um, that I barely remember the show. I just remember when they had the baby and the tongue came out. And then, uh, but Alien Nation, yeah. I actually do, that was one that I ended up picking up on VHS a million years ago and uh, watched all yeah. the time. It was a great little show. But yeah, I, I think that that was a probably a, a studio kind of reaction to that if yeah it had to be first i'm assuming v was first right i think so because i i think it was a television series and i remember the pilot being it's like new york city which strangely enough i'm in new york currently but 
New York City, there's like people either by Times Square or something and like a ship just kind of comes in. And then there's like this big jumbotron that says, you know, hello. And it's like human beings. You know, you're thinking, oh, well, it's just other human yeah. beings. And then the reveal is that, you know, their skin peels away and there's reptilians underneath. But I just remember that show. Uh, I, I don't think I saw it on television, but I think I saw it later. But it, it was cool. I mean, I love sci-fi. I'm a huge sci-fi. I'm I sci-fi and horror, my two of my favorite genres, and it's really. Be- yeah. I think if I had to explain to somebody who doesn't get it, it's probably because you get to deal with heady, loftier subjects in a way that's not preachy, especially science fiction. You get to, you never feel the soapbox when somebody's you know telling these kind of going through these really big ideas that are really important to kind of mull around for a little while and think about. And yeah, I think that where does the it- film? What's that? No, I was saying, where does Event Horizon sit for you as a sci-fi horror fan? Oh man, um, I love Event Horizon, and, and, and in fact, I think that's pro- that, and because that's the other Paul Anderson, um, if I yeah. remember correctly, it's that and Soldier. I think Soldier is a really underrated film. Um, I actually really love that one with Kurt Russell, but uh, Event Horizon, I yeah. think, is fantastic. So, yeah, that's a that's a great movie. Did I do play what? Game- you ever played no. Dead Space? The game Dead Space? Uh, no, I, I've seen it, but I've it, never played it. Yeah, very, very similar to the atmosphere and the tone of what Event Horizon was. A lot of fun. Cool game to play. Very cool game to play. You're like this, you're like this kind of a mechanic on a ship, and you're in this terrible dreamscape kind of uh, horribly uh, mutated creatures. And the only thing you've got to fend yourself off with is like this mining gear. So everything's very tactile. It's very, you know, it's not like you have projectile weaponry and you, you, you have like mining armor. So it was, it was an awesome game to play. I think that at some point was Guillermo del Toro attached to do that one or somebody like that. There was a, I feel like that's one of those ones I keep trying to make a move. Well, yeah, he's one of those ones that pretty much whatever he does, I'm on board for. I'll check it out. But yeah. Yeah huge fan of his style of storytelling and just like, uh, I love his art design and his direction, his production design is always very, it's like on this cusp of whimsical fantasy, but with horror. And it's just, it's like this amalgamation of all three things that come together. And it just, it really, it really brings you into his world. You know, the world you're, you're looking at is feels very like Pan's Labyrinth was gorgeous. I believe he did another one called, was it called the orphanage? Did he, do uh, he, he produced the orphanage uh, or a call. He produced a movie, I think called orphan, but the movie about the orphanage that was like during the Spanish civil war or whatever that was, it was a uh, devil's backbone. Is that the one you're thinking of? Okay. Yeah. 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 Devil's yeah. backbone. It's, it's a, it's at an orphanage and the kid is in like the basement. Yeah. 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 Yep. That's it. Yeah. I, it, that was awesome. Creepy. Great fun movie just a fun but film. He, and, and a similar idea with yours your film that there's not an ounce of cynicism in his work and i think that a mm-hmm. lot of a lot of times when you're watching genre films that you can feel when somebody's doing the thing for the scare for the jump for the titillation whatever it is that thing is they're doing that to hit the check the checkbox and move on with it um there's genuine genuine affection that he has for all of his characters and that's why something like the shape of water works as a love story um, so yeah. beautifully because he, he saw the tragedy and beauty when he was watching the creature from the black lagoon. And I feel like mm-hmm. you had a similar reaction when you were playing these video games and watching sci-fi and you had a deep personal connection with it. And that's why you're able to make art like yours. 
Thank you very much. Yes, yes. I mean, when you can connect, you know, I kind of go back to just really giving the audience conflict, giving them choices, giving them the ability to kind of see it through both lenses. I think that's some of the best storytelling you can do. Because if it's just always, well, the good guys are good guys and bad guys are bad guys. Well, then, okay, you're going to know what the ending is. You know, so... um, I could. Uh, I, I know that we've gone over time, and I heard the the, t- the announcement there. I'm not sure if that was uh, the egg no, timer no, saying you're, you're that's totally it. Fine. <laughs> it's actually I was. Uh, oh, no that timer, that was no. <laughs> well, no thank time. you though for taking the time to do this today, man. I really do appreciate it, and I really enjoyed the film, and I I hope people check it out because this is one of those ones that deserves to be seen. So, and I'm looking forward to this Stand by Me Alien Nation hybrid film. So I'm going to, I'm going to need to revisit both those soon. So thank you. Thank you again for watching it. Thank you for the time to talk about the film here. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I will, I will have this up next week to make sure that people are anything I can do to help lend my voice to this one. Cause this is one of the ones, this is why I do this was why I take time out of my dates to help support projects like yours. Cause I think this is a, uh, yeah, it's, I miss video stores and I miss recommendations. And this is one that I would put on my recommendations wall. So. Thank you for making that. Awesome. Thank you so right. much. Cool. All right, Jason. Take care. It was nice to meet you, man. Nice to meet you as well. Alright. Bye. Time enough to figure you out. Time enough to write this down. Wish me luck. Give me hope.
voice crack.